This is week five of our series, Running With the Giants. And throughout this series, our theme verse has been Hebrews chapter 12. And in Hebrews 12, beginning in verse one, it says, therefore. And and again, you're gonna get tired of hearing me say this, but every time you see the word therefore, you gotta figure out what it's there for. And when we rewind back to Hebrews chapter 11, it's these giants of the faith, these men and women who did great exploits for God. They held on to hope in the midst of challenging times in the midst of unprecedented seasons, in the midst of extreme persecution, often at the expense of their own life, they held on to hope, they ran their race well, and now the author says it, in light of them, in light of what they've done, and now we're surrounded by, by this great cloud of witnesses, let us run our race well too. Let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles us, just, just hinders us from running our race well, and let us run with perseverance, this race that's marked out for us. And if you're, you're new to church, you're just checking this out online, I, here's something I want you to know. We got, God has a race marked out for you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He created you with great intent. You're not an accident and your time here on earth is precious and we wanna run our race with perseverance. We need to let go of some things because there's something marked out for us. There's a purpose and a plan for your life and mine. And we need to steward this race very well. Well, hey, I got the idea for this series from a guy named John Maxwell. He wrote a book called Running with the Giants. And the premise is that that what if we could pull one of these heroes of the faith out of the grandstands and and come down onto the racetrack with us today? And if, if they could run one lap around the track with us in just a short window of time, what might these giants of the faith have to say to us today in this summer of 2020? What might they say to us? today. Well, today we're inviting Mary, the mother of Jesus, out of the grandstands and onto the track to run a lap with us. And Mary is probably one of the most misunderstood giants of our faith. Uh, Mary has, has in some religions almost become deified, where like people, people pray to Mary, and I, I think that would grieve the heart of the mother of Jesus. I think she would say, don't talk to me. Talk to my son. Jesus can help you. I, I, cannot, I cannot help you. But most Most scholars say that Mary was between the ages of 12 and 16 years old whenever she would have conceived and given birth to Jesus. Imagine that, young teenage girl, Mary engaged to the love of her life, has this interruption by an angel, unsettling, unexpected, unprecedented news. And now she, she, she has to tell her, her, her fiance, has to tell her, her mom and dad, has to explain to her community, this, this young girl, how this pregnancy has happened. And that's why I think the very first thing that Mary would say to you and to me, the big idea for the day as Mary steps out of the grandstands and onto the track is that when God asks you to do something outside of your comfort zone, when he asks you to do something that you're not really sure about, Whenever he asks you to do something that's unsettling, whenever, whenever you're in a season that you're like, I don't even know what's happening. I pray, but I don't, I don't, God, where are you in this season? How much longer is this going to go on? God, I don't understand. When you're in a season that's uncomfortable, it's outside of your comfort zone, I think Mary would remind all of us today, don't miss your moment with God. Don't miss the moment with God. Another way to, to phrase that, maybe a better way to phrase this, don't miss your opportunities with God. 
in the midst of challenging times. I think Mary would say this, this is bigger than you think, and God is at work better than you think. In the midst of the ambiguity, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the whirlwind that we call 2020, God is at work. He's at work bigger than we think and better than we think. I think Mary would remind us out of the gate of this promise, this, this, this reality in Isaiah 55, eight and nine. Here's what, what God says. He says, for my thoughts, well, they're not your thoughts. And neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. And just to, to give us a framework of how different he thinks and how different his ways are, he says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, I mean, you consider the heavens, right? Like you think about the galaxies, light years, billions of light years away from where we are on this little ball we call earth. He says, as the heavens, as far as that is away from where you are right now, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my, my ways higher than, than your ways. I mean, I think Mary would remind us that, that God's a big God and don't be surprised when he does some things that are unexpected because his ways are not He's not our ways. God does some things just because he's, he's God. And I don't always understand it in the moment. Honestly, I, I may not like it oftentimes, but I trust that he's good, he's got a plan, and he's in control. There's a couple things I wanna talk about very quickly about God moments or God opportunities. And then I wanna give you four words of encouragement from Mary the mother of Jesus. So I'm gonna move quickly through these, these things for us to make note of when it comes to God opportunities or God moments. And then we're gonna camp out on these four points. And honestly, in this message, I thought about cutting everything and just focusing on the very last point of this message because I think it's so profound. I think it's so powerful and much needed for me. And I'm assuming needed for you today. But here, here's the, the, the first point. We're going to move quickly here. Here's what you need to know about God moments or God opportunities is that God often, uh, God moments often seem, they often seem impossible. Like, how is this? You want me to do what, God? Like, that seems impossible. Mary understood this. Look at Luke chapter 1, beginning of verse 31. It says, this is an angel talking to Mary and says, says you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And look at what Mary says, what? How will this be, Mary asked. And they, and she asked the angel and says, since I'm a virgin, right? Like you're, you're so, let me get this straight. I'm gonna have a son, but here's what I need you to know. I'm a virgin. This seems impossible. I'm not the smartest girl around, but I know how babies are made and this ain't it, right? How will this be? This seems, what you're asking me to do, this seems impossible. And your opportunity with God, your God moment will seem impossible to you as well. And I think Mary would remind you of the words of her son Jesus in Mark 10, 27 today. And here's what you need to know. With man, that moment might be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Second thing, whenever God moments come, Mary would encourage you, just say yes. When your God opportunity comes, just say yes. In Luke 1, 38, here's Mary's response to the angel. I am the Lord's servant. 
And I just want to stop here for a moment because sometimes we, we get this backwards. Sometimes we think, God, you're not behaving like I think you should, therefore I'm mad at you. But Mary, it gets her life turned upside down and she's like, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense to me, but yet I know my position here. God, I'm just your servant. I am your servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled to me. And then the angel left. When your moment, when your opportunity with God comes, remember his position, remember your position, and we're humble servant. We say, we say, yes, yes, God, whatever you have for me. The third thing that, that God opportunities presents is that, that your God moment, your God opportunity will open doors for God's best in your life. When God is working in a way that is different than the way you, you would like for him to, just know that God's right. I need to remind myself of that often. God, your work, this isn't going the way I thought it would, but God, I'm just believing you're right. I'm believing that you're bringing the best into my life. Think about Mary's reality for a moment. Here she is, this teenage girl, would have been part of the youth group, 12 to 16 years old. And now she gets this message from an angel. She has to go tell this man of her dreams, this man that she loves, that, that, hey, I'm pregnant, but I didn't cheat on you. An angel told me this, and I'm like gonna give birth. And oh, by the way, he's gonna be the son of God. Like think how you would receive that message. Think about going to your parents as a young teenage girl. As a parent, think about your teenage daughter coming to you and saying, hey, mom, dad, I'm, I'm pregnant, but the angel told me this and it's gonna be, I mean, like, think about Mary's reality in this context. It had to be very disturbing. She had to be a little bit fearful. She had to be a little bit stressed out, I'm assuming, as her whole world gets turned upside down. In this culture, her community would not have been a fan of this reality. She would have been ostracized. Her whole life as a teenage girl is just now, now wrecked in a lot of ways. We look at it from our vantage point and say, Mary, what an honor. Mary, how awesome. But I'm sure Mary was like, what are you doing? My life is getting jacked up right now. I think Mary had to be discouraged. She didn't understand it, but needed the community around her. And here's what she did. She had to go see, she had to get out of town. She, she had to go see a family member. She had to go see her cousin, Elizabeth. And look at Elizabeth. Elizabeth reminds her that God moments will always open the door for God's best in her life, in your life, in my life. Here's what, here's what Elizabeth tells her. Now, I, like, I just envision this like Mary's pulling into the driveway, super discouraged, not really sure what's going on. And in a loud voice, Elizabeth uh, proclaims, like she, she, she declares like, blessed are you? This is good. God's at work. He's doing a work in your life. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. And here's what I want you to hear. Here's what I want you to think about. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promise for her. Listen, Central Christian Church, in this season, think about the ways that you're, you're blessed. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord will fulfill his promise for her. Blessed are you when you don't understand. Blessed are you in the midst of discouragement. Blessed are you when you believe that the Lord will fulfill his promise for you, even when you don't understand, even if you don't know how, even if it doesn't make sense. 
Mary needed that reminder. And I think today, as she runs on the track with us, she would offer that reminder to you and to me today as well. It might feel impossible. It probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now, but God will open doors for his best in your life and mine as we trust him. Now, as we kind of round the corner of this track, I wanna, I think Mary would share four encouraging words with you and with me today. And here's the first encouraging word that she, she would say to you in, in July of 2020, everything going on right now. Here's the first thing I think she would say, stay connected to God, slow down a little bit. Stay connected to God, slow down a, a little bit. Andrew Murray, the famous devotional writer, he said this, hurry is the enemy of all prayer. I mean, if we're going to stay connected to God, we just got to, we just got to slow down for a little bit. We got to spend some time in his presence. Mary experienced this. We read about uh, this reality in her life in Luke chapter two. This is uh, uh, after the birth of Jesus, these shepherds nearby, like they come to visit and, and that's the context. And here's what they say. They being the shepherds, they, they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and, and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child and all that they, they, they had heard and they were amazed at, uh, all who heard them were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. And so, so they, there's two contrasts here. There's these shepherds and they're, they're in a hurry. They're, they're like, oh, I gotta go. And then they, they see and they, they, they experience, they encounter Jesus, they're like, oh, now I gotta go spread this, this news. And in contrast, here's Mary. But Mary, she, she paused, she treasured up these things. And, and here's what she did, she, she pondered them. She contemplated on them, she chewed on them, she marinated on these things. She pondered them in her heart. They were in a hurry, but Mary paced herself and pondered and treasured and slowed down and stayed connected to God. I was listening to a podcast this week and, and they made the statement that, that, that Warren Buffett, this great business guru, this tycoon, he schedules every day in his calendar an hour and a half to sit and just stare out a window, gather his thoughts. This will help you in life. Tony Blair, the former prime minister of the United Kingdom, when he was the prime minister, he would take a half a day every week just to go sit by himself in solitude next to a pond. It helped him gather his thoughts, reframe reality. It will help you do the same. Let this lesson from 2020 hold true. When we come out of whatever 2020 has in store moving forward, let's be people who practice solitude, people who, who slow down, people who, who are connected to God. The great theologian and philosopher Soren Kierkegaard once said, if I were a doctor and asked what advice you, you, I would give you, and, and maybe if you were to ask this great, great philosopher, this great theologian, my, my soul feels like it's dry right now. I don't feel like things are going really well in my life. What advice would the wisdom of the ages give me? And here's what he said, I, would, I should reply, create silence. In Pascal's famous work, he says these words, I have often said the sole cause of man's unhappiness, the sole cause of man's unhappiness. Maybe he would say to you at the root of your unhappiness 
is that you're not able to stay alone quietly by yourself in a room. And, and, and whatever keeps you from being able to do this, perhaps at the root, is, is resulting at this. The sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he doesn't know how to stay quietly in a room. Ah, I mean, we live in a day with, with constant phones in our pockets. We thumb through social media, the news. We rush from this appointment, this Zoom meeting to another Zoom meeting. We're, we're, we got a lot of things going on. And I think, I think the wisdom of the age would say, hey, just, just slow down. Let's, let's stay connected to God. He goes on to say that that is why men are so fond of hustle and bustle. That, that is why prisons are so, such fearful punishment. That is why the pleasure of solitude is incomprehensible. Listen, I, I get it. Alcohol, drugs, very real numbers. Uh, but we also numb pain in our life by staying busy on a constant treadmill. We, wanna, we don't want to sit in a room by ourselves with our thoughts because there's some things just beneath the surface of our lives that we, we don't really want to confront. I think Mary would say, hey, slow down, wrestle with those issues, learn to embrace some silence from time to time. Here, here's a couple action steps for us this week. Uh, stay connected to God. I love what Pastor Raymond said a couple weeks ago when he was here. He, he said three things. Uh, create a specific time for you to connect with God. Create a specific place to connect with God and remain consistent. And so my question for you to be tomorrow morning when you wake up, what time are you going to create to, to connect with God? Maybe a moment of silence. Where's your place? Where's that, that, that chair? That, hopefully it's a well-worn chair that's super cozy and comfortable for you to set in, connect with the creator of the universe. Be consistent. Learn, lean into solitude in this season. Let's build new muscles for our, our soul to, to be okay with being quiet, to be like Mary, to ponder and treasure some things in our life while the world's hustling and, and moving and from one appointment to another all, all around us. It'll be good for your soul and good for your mental space. Second thing I think Mary would say to encourage us is, is stay connected to your purpose. Today, stay connected to your purpose. In Luke 2, 34 through 35, uh, they go to the temple to dedicate uh, Jesus. This is right after he was, was born. And then Simeon, this man that they encounter, blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined. Like this child has purpose. And by the way, Mary, you have great purpose too to raise this, this child in the way he should go. And, and to cause he's going to cause the, the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Like, like there's destiny in Jesus. There's destiny in Mary. And there's destiny in you. Stay connected to your purpose in the midst of this season. Second Timothy 1.6 says this. Uh, this is Paul talking to his young apprentice, this young pastor who was super discouraged in the midst of trying times. He says, says hey, I'm just going to remind you, fan into flame. Fan into flame. And some of you, this is what we need to do. We need to fan into flame that fresh passion, that gift that God gave us. Fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when, when, when I laid my hands on you, Paul tells Timothy. And I would just ask you, what's your gift? And how are you deploying it these days? In the midst of challenging times, don't, don't lose sight of your purpose. Don't lose sight of your gifts. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's given you spiritual gifts. Deploy them to build his kingdom, to build a life worth living. 
And I get it, like we're not able to deploy our spiritual gifts in 2020 the way we did in 2019. And honestly, I'm bummed about that. I'm as bummed about that as anyone else. But what an opportunity in front of you. What an opportunity in front of me to get creative, to think outside the box, to say, man, God, you've given me a purpose. You've given me some gifts. And maybe this season is just a pivot for me to deploy them in a unique way. Maybe you're, you're, you're guiding me in that direction. Stay connected to your purpose. The third thing I think Mary would say is stay connected to people who encourage you. Stay connected to the people who encourage you. We all have people in our life who, uh, when we're around them, man, it just kind of like sucks the air out of our life. Like what a kind of a drain. And, and I didn't want to bring up people in my current reality, but I thought I would reach back to my college days. And I remember this girl. And if you don't know of anyone in your life right now that's a drain, maybe you are that person. But there's this lady in my life in college back here. And I remember she had a couple of classes with her and, and I would see her from time to time on campus. And I would just say, hey, how's your week going? Like, how you doing? And she'd say, well, I didn't sleep very good last night. I got a test, super stressed out about it. Not going, I'm like, oh man, well, I hope you sleep better. I hope the test goes well. Talk to you later. See her like next time. Hey, how you doing? How's life? Well, I miss my cat back home. Like I didn't, you know, this cafeteria food's just not real good. And every time I, I interacted with her, it was always something wrong, always something like, down. And I just got to the point where I, when I would see her, I'd be like, hey, how you doing? All right, well, see you later. Like, I, I didn't want to hang around and chat because I knew it was just going to be down in the dumps. But we need people around us to speak words of life. We need people around us to speak words of encouragement. And, and Mary knew this. And you remember the story of Elizabeth. She went and saw her cousin and she said, blessed are you, Mary. She builds Mary up. You're going to make it. God's got this one, just like he had the last one. And so as a result, in Luke chapter one, we read this, that, that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. I mean, she, she camped out with people who spoke life into her. She's hung around people who, who would speak words of encouragement to her. And then she returned home. In the midst of challenging seasons, she stayed connected to people who would encourage her. In Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, we, we realize that this is part of our purpose as followers of Christ, as, as, as the church. This is part of our, our purpose. And here's what it says. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted. Like that, that's just a good reminder. Let's just hold on to hope in the midst of this trying season because God's in control. He can be trusted. He's going to keep his promise. Verse 24, let, let us think. Now, this includes like taking time. Like it, it gives this imagery of like, I'm gonna sit and like contemplate this for a minute. Let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, hey, this I get, it bums me out. We can't gather together in spaces like this. But that does not mean that we, we, we're off the hook for thinking of ways to motivate one another. We can motivate one another through text messages. We can motivate one another through cards. We can motivate one another by grabbing a cup of coffee and, and staying 10 feet apart. You know, we can motivate one. It doesn't, we're not off the hook. Like let's motivate people. Cause as you focus on motivating others, I guarantee you yourself 
are going to be motivated. Uh, let, let's think of ways to not only be around people who are encouraging, let's be encouragers. My, my hope is that, that, that everybody around me feels like somebody. Like, like let's, let's build people, let's build people up. Maybe it's listening to a podcast, maybe it's reading a good book, but get motivated. Let's be a church that functions in this space and let's think of ways this week to motivate people to acts of love and good deeds. I love what Zig Ziglar said. He says, says, people often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. Uh, that's why we recommend it daily. Like, like get around some people, motivate yourself daily, spread encouragement daily. Just like you need a bath, you need a little bit of motivation. And here's the final point. Here, here's, here, here's what I thought about cutting everything else and just talking about this. But here's the fourth piece of advice that Mary would say to you as we close out our time with her on this lap around the track. I think Mary will look you in the eye and say, stay connected to the bigger picture. Stay connected to the bigger picture. I think Mary would remind us of this need. It, honestly, this season, it really since March, I feel like since March, like I, I've been grieving, grieving loss, Things aren't going the way I thought they would. I've been, been struggling, to be honest. Since March, like, that's a long struggle. <laughs> and I'm not out of the woods yet. But I think Mary would tell me, Tim, stay connected to the bigger picture here. Mary understood loss. Mary understood grief. Her, her husband, Joseph, we see him in the Gospels whenever Jesus was 12 years old. But by the time Jesus starts his ministry at the age of 30, Joseph's no longer around. Many people believe that Joseph, her husband, would have died while Jesus was a teenager. Whatever the age, we're uncertain of that, but we do know for a fact that Mary was a widow. She experienced extreme grief. Mary was a single mom in the midst of a challenging season in our world. She, she, she raised Jesus to be, be who he is, and, and I'm sure, you know, there's a little divine assistance there, but, but think about the grief she experienced. On top of that, she sees her, her firstborn son executed right before her eyes. For you, for me, imagine her grief. We read about that in John 19, 25 through 27. Jesus' mother, he's there, she's there. His aunt, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and, mother, and Mary Magdalene, they stood at the foot of the cross. Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing near her. And he, he said to his, his mother, woman, here's your son. He said, hey, mama, I know, I know Joseph's not here to help you. I'm not going to be here to help you either. But John, I want you to love my mom like she's your own. And John, matter of fact, I want you to love my mama like she's your mom. And it says this, and it said the same thing to his disciple. And from that moment, the disciple accepted her as his own. Mary was there. Some of you have experienced that level of grief, ultimate loss. And I can't fathom that. I have officiated several memorials for parents who have lost their kids. And, and some people say, Tim, what do you say to parents? What do you say to people in seasons like this, in moments of extreme loss like that? And honestly, no words suffice. 
But my only hope is to be able to point them to a bigger picture. And I think that's what Mary did. She kept her eyes on the bigger picture in the midst of losing her husband, in the midst of her, 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 her firstborn son laying down his life for you and me. I think she stayed connected to the bigger pictures. There's more at play than right here, right now. In the classic book, Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan, he, he wrote these words about the Christian life and this Christian character who's depicted in this this book, it's a classic piece of literature. It's the second best-selling book in Christian literature. And here's what it says. Uh, My heart feels the strongest when I'm focused on where I'm headed. When your heart is focused on where you're headed, not right here, right now, your heart will feel the strongest. And for many of us watching this right now, our heart, our mind, our mental space has been focused on right here, right now, on temporary things. And here's my speculation. You're probably feeling discouraged. You're probably feeling a little depressed because we haven't set our gaze on where we are headed. Listen to how the giants of the faith maintained hope in the midst of trying times. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13, this is the, the hall of fame of faith. Remember, this is, this is our theme verses, Hebrews 12. Rewind the tape to Hebrews 11. Here's these giants of the faith. And all these giants of the faith were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things that were promised, yet they saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners. I don't, I don't belong here on this earth and strangers here on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. It goes on to say that if they had been thinking of a country they had left, they they would have had the opportunity to return. But instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. They weren't focused on right here, right now. Their hope wasn't anchored in this life. Their hope was in God and the life to come. They were looking forward to a heavenly kingdom. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them and he's prepared a city for you. Our hearts grow strong when we remember where we're headed. Philippians 3, Paul just comes right out. and He he says it plainly. Our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. Where we're longing for something that can't be fulfilled on this earth because we're made for heaven. We're made for eternity. The great uh, philosopher and author C.S. Lewis He said this, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Listen, church, if you find yourself with with longings and desires that this world cannot fulfill, perhaps the most logical reduction, the most logical reasoning, the most probable reality is that you were created for another world, another life, another heavenly place. And that's what the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 says, for, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Listen, you're gonna live forever. This can all be over in a moment. There is heaven awaiting, a great reunion that never ends. Some of you have had to say goodbye to loved ones. You'll never have to say goodbye again. Great reunion. The dead in Christ will rise First, it's gonna happen in a moment. Stay connected to that bigger picture. First Corinthians 15, 51. 
Paul says, but let me reveal to you this wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever, 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 never death again, be raised to life forever. And we who are living will be transformed. You need to know you're gonna get a brand new, you're gonna get a transformed body. Your boy had a birthday this week, and the older I get, the more I long for this reality. A new body, new heaven, new earth. It's gonna be awesome, a great reunion. Don't lose sight of the bigger picture. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9 says, but we are hard pressed on, on every side, but we're not crushed, we're perplexed, but, but we're not in despair, persecuted, but we're not abandoned, we're struck down, but, but not destroyed. And this verse probably sums up the way a lot of us feel today. But Mary would say, hey, stay connected to the bigger picture. Paul goes on to remind us in, in a couple verses later in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, says, says that's why we never give up. We're never gonna give up because there's a bigger picture here. Though outwardly our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Now let's just time out. Because some of you are probably hearing this and saying, well, well that's great for Paul, but, but my troubles aren't small. My troubles are big. Matter of fact, things are falling around me. Paul faced big troubles. I think insurmountable troubles from a lot of our perspectives. He would say in 2 Corinthians 11 that, that he was beaten with rods for, for sharing the gospel. He, his back would have been scarred up and, and torn to pieces because of all the whippings that he endured from persecutors. He talks about how he was shipwrecked and like stuck at sea for like 48 hours. He is, he is imprisoned in isolation all by himself. He faced very real hardship, but he said, whoa, 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 whoa. In light of the big picture, my present troubles are small. And in light of eternity, they're not gonna last very long and neither are yours. Yet they produce, these are producers in our life, for they produce in us a glory that far outlasts them all and will last forever. You might say, well, how's that, how's that work? Here's the deal. Troubles are temporary, but you're gonna live forever. And God is more interested in the content of our character than the comfort of our circumstances. And there's something about trying times that produce in us character and build muscles that pleasant seasons just, they just don't. Stay connected to the bigger picture. Here's the reality. If you're a follower of Jesus, you carry his name. And when people look at your life, let's give them a beautiful picture of the one we represent. And the best way I know how to do that in seasons like this is to stay connected to the bigger picture. It was in 1980 that a young man from Rwanda was forced by his tribal leaders to either renounce his faith in Jesus Christ or be executed. He stood for Christ and was executed on the spot. What they didn't know at the time is that just the night before, he penned some words that I wanna share with you today to help us focus on the bigger picture. So here are some words from the voice of a martyr, and I quote, 
He says, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast, the decision has been made. I have stepped over the line. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past has been redeemed. My present makes sense. My future secured. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame vision, mundane talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, position, promotions, platitudes, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, love with patience, live by prayer, and labor with power. My faith My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, delured, or delayed. I will not flinch at the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander at the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, or slow down until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and spoken up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner is clear because I carry his name. And so do you. Moments after this young man pinned those words, he finished his race. He gave up his life for the cause of Christ. And today, his life, his words remind you, remind me that we're part of this bigger picture. Your time is short. You carry his name. And just to be clear, carrying his name is not a picture of perfection. Carrying his name is more about compassion, humility, love, grace, generosity, and kindness. Carrying his name is about staying connected to God. Carrying his name is staying connected to your purpose. Carrying his name is about staying connected to those who encourage you and being a voice of encouragement in this world. Carrying his name is about staying connected to the bigger picture. This world is not your home. Your time here is short. You carry his name. And should you ever find yourself in a position where you get to choose living life here on earth or laying it down for the cause of Christ. I hope you'll remember the bigger picture. I pray I would remember the bigger picture in that moment and carry his name well. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for this race. And God, we're reminded today that our time here is short. So Father, I pray that you would help me and help my friends watching this to run our race well. God, to to stay connected to you, to live life on purpose. God, to, to be a voice of encouragement to a world that desperately needs someone to help lift their heads. God, would you help us stay connected to the bigger picture? In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, maybe you're watching this today and, and you say, you know what, I'm not yet a follower of Jesus. And, and I would just simply say this. I think this is true for everyone watching this. All of us have a master. Some of us are, are our master. We might not put it in these words, but our master is the reality is our master is our identity. And we strive to maintain it. We post curated pictures. We try to maintain an image. We want to run with this pack. We, maybe we, we position ourselves with this political group or this, this party. We might not even agree with them, but they've become part of our identity. And I would just submit to you, man, that's a cruel master. And I would just invite you to consider, what if you made Jesus your master? He does want you to go all in. He will not play second chair, but he is the kindest master you'll ever know. He's full of compassion, abounding in love. He desires relationship with you. He is all powerful. He did create the universe. And, and Mary would just implore you from the grandstands, follow my son, Jesus. And whatever he tells you to do, you just do it. So if you want to begin a relationship with God today, the only way to do that is through his son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that if you, you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is, is going to be the master, that he's going to be the Lord of your life. And you're going to let him call the shots in your life. And you believe in your heart. You believe that Jesus wasn't just a historical figure, but that he was the son of God. And he really did lay down his life for you to pay the penalty for all your mistakes, all your sins, all the, the stuff you wish you could, could take back, all the things you regret. He paid the penalty for all those things on the cross so that you can now have a relationship with God. If that's you today and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, you want to know God on a very personal level, I would simply invite you to make Jesus your master. And by saying a simple prayer with me like this, God, I thank you for, for loving me. I thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Forgive me of my sins. And give me the gift of eternal life. Now you say this to him, Jesus, today I want to make you my master. This day forward, I'm going to let you call the shots. Today, God, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, if that was your prayer today, if that's your commitment, man, we are celebrating with you big time. We've got some resources we'd love to get to you. Uh, you can simply text one word Jesus to this number, 408-944-5402. Uh, one word Jesus to 408-944-5402. And once you know, man, we are, we are, we're cheering you on. Maybe now in the chat, put some hands together, maybe give some thumbs up, uh, but know that the Central Family has your back and we want to partner with you and help you however we can. Central family, let's be a voice of encouragement in this season. Let's keep the big picture in mind as we go about loving God and loving people this week. God bless you guys.